the path begins with acknowledgement that nothing begins without just awareness of him mm-hmm. of that remembrance of his grandioseness and then at the same time knowing that that we say like tanzih the qualities of transcendence there's also tashbih which is like he's closer to you than your jugular vein Welcome to Self Love School. I'm so happy that you're here. My name is Tatuda and I'm all about creating a community of self-love, self-care and confidence. Today's guest is an amazing individual. She is the author of Secrets of Divine Love: A Spiritual Journey into the Heart of Islam. It's a bestseller on Amazon and I'm so excited to share our podcast on Islam and spirituality with you guys. We discuss being on the spiritual path, purifying our hearts, forgiveness, surrender, manifestation and the law of attraction and living a life of service. So stay tuned and God bless you. Today I would like to invite the wonderful A Helwa. Uh welcome Helwa to our podcast. I'm so grateful to have you. Salam, thank you so much for having me on Um, on this podcast I'm, I'm looking forward to, to speaking with you and learning from you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. So, I have actually um been asking uh my followers on Instagram and social media uh what type of things they would be interested to see in the podcast in the self love podcast that I have. And many of them have asked for Islam and spirituality um and some questions they have on the spiritual path. and um i thought that halwa you would be the best person to actually talk about this um so can we know more about this what is uh, suluk and what is the spiritual path that everybody is on that some people are not really aware of it mm that's a great question well suluk is i mean traditionally it's sort of defined as a pathway mm-hmm. um, and that you know the, the one who walks this the solid the, the one who walks this path is like the one that's traveling between the two realms in a sense mm-hmm. can be seen as the realm between the seen and the, the unseen mm-hmm. bringing together the sharia or the divine law or as i like to say the divine framework um and then the hakika which is like the deep esoteric internal truth together marrying these paths um and standing in the space between realities it's kind of like the line between black and white it's like you're right there and that's that straight path mm-hmm. so traditionally with spirituality it's seen within all different religious faiths as being the inner dimension of the faith um the people who walk that path um i think with the most sincerity tend to not leave behind the outer realm but to integrate it with the inner. And so whether we know it or not, um we fall into sometimes walking the spiritual path. I mean there are people who don't believe in the divine, but yet they reflect the qualities of mercy and compassion and care and generosity. And so that yeah. inner dimension, you know, they they walk that inner the principles and virtues. And so I think that we're all on these spiritual beings and we're in this human experience and we're trying to reconcile um 
and, and I think at the core, as at least Islamically, the concept being that the fitra, which is innately good, is in the core of every single person. So mm-hmm. that innate goodness is with you wherever you go. And that calling, that seed that's been sown in your heart to believe in something beyond yourself is planted within every single person. Mm-hmm. And so in a sense, we're all having a spiritual experience. Some of us more aware of it than others, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, we're all on the path, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. And um, I think... Um, some of the people, especially the people that I work with, they are becoming more aware. So they're kind of in a state of confusion, but they know they're starting to awaken to this divine love. Um, so what would you say they need to do from, from this point? You know, what does it involve, this spiritual path and, and getting closer to the divine? Hmm. So I would say that as people are feeling this inclination, desire inside of them the path to becoming closer to Allah or the divine is begins with the recognition that that God has never left you that God is with you every single step you take even the steps you take away from the virtues of mercy and compassion and generosity and love God is still with you because the breath inside of you is something he gave to you and in every single moment he sustains you He loves you, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter the things that you've done, the things you said, or the things you didn't get the chance to say, he is with you. Mm -hmm. And I think remembering and beginning the path with recognition that before you even take a step, God is with you. That he's before you, behind you, on your right, on your left, that he is always encompassing you with his mercy. And to sit in the remembrance of that, to go out into nature is a good way of doing that. To feel the sun, the heat of the sun on your skin. To feel gravity place you gently onto the earth. To feel how the created world is, is spinning in this unison that benefits you. Um, I think that intimate connection with the created world and that helps us to be aware of the creator in a greater way. If the sun didn't rise tomorrow, no one could make it rise. The Quran says, if, if the earth chose to drink in the rain and the water, what could you do to get it back? Mm-hmm. So this remembering the majesty and the miracle of the mundane mm-hmm. is such an opportunity to awaken to something awesome. We use the word awesome in English in, mm-hmm. in a way that's like, cool, awesome, but really that <laughs> word has so much to it. It's like... Ama- so amazed that you almost mm-hmm. fall, you know, yeah. and that's what the awestruckness of Allah. And I think the path begins with acknowledgement that nothing begins without just awareness of Him, mm-hmm. of that remembrance of His grandioseness. And then at the same time, knowing that that you say like tanzih, the qualities of transcendence. There's also tashbih, which is like He's closer to you than your jugular vein. Mm-hmm. This yeah. creator that put into motion everything, all the planets that dance around the sun who, who orbits a black hole, who's in a galaxy amongst billions of other galaxies. And, and then he is closer to you than the breath that we just took on this podcast. It's like, 
I think yeah. starting with that acknowledgement, I would begin there. Yeah, and that is such a beautiful explanation of kind of how we need to be in this world that we live in um, for a short period of time that we actually are here. Um, me and my own journey um, have come to this place where I do uh, practice mindfulness more and just being in the present moment. And anytime I start like thinking of something, um, you know, kind of bring myself back to the present, bring myself back to my breath and look at the trees and the nature and the beauty of of Allah's creation and how beautiful everything he, you know, he created is. And um, just being mesmerized by that vision and the feelings and our senses, are we using our five senses to actually feel these things, touch things and smell things and mm-hmm. experience the beauty of this life that we have been given. And this life was an opportunity to be given for us to experience these things because we did come for the experience, didn't we? We, we came to experience these things. Um, and even in, in my work with, um, with my clients, I, um, we work on traumas which are kind of holding us back from being in the present moment. So once we heal those um, things that are holding us back, like fear and shame and guilt and resentment and anger, so many things that are kind of um, energetically stuck in the body, once we release, we can allow ourselves to be in the present moment and experience those beautiful things that um, that you talked about. So that's so um, beautiful. Um, One thing to say on that, just since you brought it up, I wanted to say the importance of that work that you do because the Islamic path, from my understanding, on one, um, in one opinion, could be sort of comes down to remembrance and tawbah or repentance. Yeah. And traditionally, we see remembrance as, you know, thinking of God's names or prayer. But I think it yeah. goes beyond that. It's like we just said, being able to be present with divine influence and um, the touch of the divine in all aspects of creation. But then that portion of tawbah or the return or the repentance is really what you're talking about. The work you do, it's what repentance really is. It's, it's turning back the places of forgetfulness, unveiling yourself to the remembrance. And so a lot of times with work, like you're speaking, the incredible value of that is that we need help sometimes. Like yeah. beyond repentance, that's just words. You know, We need help to let go of these places, these patterns inside of us that prevent mm-hmm. us from actualizing who we are and who God is. And so work like this that you're speaking about, when it helps that person do that, it realigns you on the path and it helps you in being more present in your mm-hmm. faith and remembrance, which is incredibly valuable. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. It means so much to me that you say that because um, it's it's really true. My work has really helped me be on my path uh, and just seeing people's transformation just gives me so much hope. It gives me so much joy in, in my heart and puts me in the present moment. So um, I'm really grateful for this thank gift you. and I, I believe that um, I'm guided I believe that everything I do is guided and I, I really, um, uh, you know, I'm grateful for that um, gift. Alhamdulillah. And um, I'm really grateful for, for today, for this podcast, that I'm actually able to speak to yourself and your book is 
incredible. And I just want to say a few things about the book. Um, it's called The Secrets of Divine Love. And it's, um, it's a spiritual journey into the heart of Islam. And I'd really uh, like to encourage the listeners to really get this book. I mean, I advertise this on my um, social media all the time. And I kind of put quotes of, of the book um, all the time. And I tell my uh, close friends and family to, to get this book and to read it. Um, but I just want to mention the things that are kind of in this book right now. It's about the origin of love and who we really are and the spiritual dimensions of Islam, repentance um, and really kind of releasing that guilt and shame that most of us live with, um, ecstasy of oneness and how to tune in to divine love, charity and fasting, pilgrimage to God, spiritual secrets of death mysteries of heaven and hell and these things i've you know read the book and every page every word was like an epiphany to me so i am so grateful for the book that this book exists and it's not just to enlighten the mind but really for the soul um and it kind of really helps people to get this deeper connection deeper intimacy with the divine and it doesn't matter what faith we are, maybe not, um, you know, it, it, someone doesn't have to be um, uh, Muslim to read this book. Uh, it could be anyone from any faith and background. And it's so inviting and gentle and kind. And I just uh, really love this book. So I really recommend everyone to go and get this book. Mm, so thank you so much, Helwat, uh, for writing this book and bringing it to this um, you know, physical reality that we can actually experience these divine words. Um, <laughs> and um, so another question that I have, and many of, of the listeners, I'm sure, have, you know, once we work on our fears and our shame and guilt and kind of we, are, we, we know we're on a spiritual path and we're working towards being closer to God, how do we purify the heart? Mm. That's a wonderful question. A lot of Islamic scholarship has focused on this question because of its significance. A lot of times, um, you know, when we're living our life and we take on the different practices and obligations of Islam, mm -hmm. we then sort of feel like our time is, that's it, that's, that's what our commitment is. We've mm -hmm. taken on the obligation of prayer, of charity and fasting, and we're kind of content with that. But a lot of Islamic scholarship then comes and says the purification of the heart is really the answer to all the other practices really meaning something and being able to infiltrate into your spirit. So for example is if we take a bucket and we have a lid on it and we put it outside, it doesn't matter how badly it rains. It doesn't matter how much it rains. Water doesn't enter the bucket. And so when you realize that the Polishing and purification of the heart is fundamental to being able to experience the effects of prayer, of mm -hmm. generosity, of um, fasting, hajj, whatever it is that these principles want to take on, the purification of the heart becomes really important. And then the question is, how do you do that purification? And sort of touched on it already, but it's this combination of remembrance and repentance because the heart takes on its past experience, right? So you may have as a child um, or even as a young adult or later in life had an experience that hurt you 
that wounded you, that now affects your experience with other people, maybe with God, maybe with yourself. And so these, these things that pile on on the heart. And then when we live our life experience without purifying that place, then what ends up happening is when the light of Allah hits us, it, it, the, the, the light, instead of bouncing off of us and manifesting into creation as a representative of Allah, it mm-hmm. sort of, there are cracks in that mirror and so it deflects into different mm-hmm. directions. It's not a pure manifestation. And so when we purify, and the way we do that is by, I believe, of course, the remembrance and repentance, but I also believe, like we touched also just a few minutes ago, is the process of confronting the wounds that you've experienced, mm-hmm. being present with the pains that you went through. Mm-hmm. Not, as one teacher says, it's not to run after pain and sorrow. It's just to not run away. Yeah. But when it comes, wow. you allow yourself to be human. You don't put a mold of what it means to be Muslim. You don't take this identity of what it means to be Muslim and then bypass your pain. To be Muslim is to be sincere in what's happening for you, in what Allah is making for you, to be present with it and to say, this is hor- this may suck, right? It must be a horrible thing, but... And when I'm facing it, this is how Allah is speaking to me. He's speaking to me through the trials. He says in the Quran, through blessings and trials, we call you to us. Right? So he's calling you to him. And then it says again, he is the one that makes you laugh. And he is the one that makes you cry. That there's a wisdom in the emotions that you're experiencing. Yeah. Some of the poets write, say famously that your feelings are messengers from the beyond. Yeah. Right, And so if that's the case, then if you want to purify your heart, you have to be present with what's in your heart. Mm-hmm. And you have to be okay, even if you're not okay, but okay in the sense that you're asking Allah for help and being okay with slowly facing those things and asking Allah to remove that burden for you. And yeah. if it was something you did that was wrong to rectify, that you rectify that wrong with the creation and you ask for forgiveness from Allah. And through that process of taking account, almost like checks and balances, you start to purify the heart by letting go of the things that weigh it down. Through the remembrance and through the repentance, it's kind of like brushing your teeth. If you didn't brush your teeth or take a shower every day, you're going to start to smell. (laughs) This is the same with the heart. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you don't purify the heart, you're going to start to feel it become heavy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. And um, you mentioned forgiveness. Um, And, you know, forgiveness is one of the hardest lessons um, that we need to learn. So it's really, it's really true. I mean, just want to mention that even in my own practice, feeling our emotions is so important. Sometimes I just sit sit with myself and I place my hand on my chest and breathe. And I say, I allow myself to feel my feelings. I, I allow them and I accept them and I honor them because if we don't really honor our emotions, they don't leave and they just kind of, they're kind of repressed in, in the cells and they, they can actually, you know, stay in the cells trapped mm. um, and that can even turn into physical illnesses. So, uh, and I, I do teach this to my clients as well, always feel your emotions um, they, they come for a reason. They're trying to teach you something. 
Um, and the emotion of anger is so common in so many of us. So I just wanted um, to ask you more about anger and forgiveness and how do we actually forgive? Mm. That's a great question. I feel like with forgiveness, you're kind of talking about the difficulty of it, is that oftentimes we're looking at the ways in which we are wronged, which Mm -hmm. is obviously normal, Mm -hmm. the ways in which we were hurt. Yeah. And it's interesting because when the, the Quran talks about our rights being taken, and it says that you can retaliate, right, with the same type of wrong that was wrong to you, but it's better to forgive, and if you choose to forgive, that mm-hmm. I will forgive you for sins you may have forgotten. Mm-hmm. Things that were burdening you from your own action. The ways that you oppressed yourself. And so I think when it comes to forgiveness, the Quran, I feel like, does a wonderful job of validating the hurt the human being goes through. And mm-hmm. saying that you have a right to your rights. No one has the right to take your rights away from you. To the point where it says, you know, oppression in some instances is worse than killing. Because you're, when you're trampling on that person's freedom, that it's like the suffocation inside the spirit. It's such a big burden to carry. And yet it calls us, it says, when you forgive another person, the creator of existence forgives you for things you forgot. Mm. So then it puts into context, it puts into context what we may be losing by not forgiving and it also confronts that if law makes such an emphasis on this that the repairing of the heart or the building of the bridge between two hearts has such a value in the faith because you know in islam it's, i love it because we have jama'at we have these things that are communal mm-hmm. the quran says make room for one another in your collective life that this religion this path was sent to bring people together and so when there is a wrong done and there's a separation that happens Allah is like putting everything down for you to return again and sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that forgiving someone means including them in our life again that's not always the case sometimes someone is very abusive and that person shouldn't be in your life maybe Mm -hmm. maybe they hurt you emotionally, physically. That doesn't mean you forgive everyone and and, and allow them back to hurt you. It just means that you see their action separate from their soul, meaning that you hold the action accountable, but the spirit, you remember that the spirit comes from love, that there's something Mm -hmm. inherently sacred in that. Mm -hmm. And so you love that spirit. You love the holiness, the sacredness, and you hold the action accountable. And then that's when it's for, when you compile together an action in a person, then it becomes hard to forgive them because you, they didn't lie. They are a liar. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't cheat. They are a cheater. You define them by their action. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when we could separate this and say, man, I really hate what you did, but I love you mm-hmm. because my God, has continued to blow this mystical breath inside of you. It's like, you know, I live in America. 
you the elections, Donald Trump, mm. you know, wow, this person has done so many horrible things. But God is still sustaining him every moment. Mm. And so you cannot say that there isn't something holy about his existence despite his mm. atrocious acts. And I think until we can, and that's the prophet, peace be upon him, is so remarkable at doing that. When you study the his story, you just, he does not make that separation. He holds people accountable, but he never lets go of the love, which is why he's a mercy to all worlds. Mm. And him being our role model, we're called to that higher um, rank of, at least reach towards that rank of being. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this explanation. And yes, yeah, so forgiveness is, is a process to learn and to see people from the eyes of God uh, because that's what happens when we purify our hearts. We see ourselves from the eyes of God and then we start seeing other people from the eyes of God as well. Um, and I just wanted to really talk about, um, we mentioned before the state of, being receptive. So once we heal ourselves and we purify our hearts and we become, you mentioned um, about the light coming through you and expressing uh, itself um, through our creativity. Mm-hmm. So how do we become, how do we kind of come to this receptive state where the light can come and, um, you know, be transformed into, you know, physical creation? Yeah, so that light that comes in is mm. Allah's blessing upon us. And so yeah. to remember that the barakah, that blessing, Allah's love for us, it's yeah. shining upon us all, all the time. Mm-hmm. That the goal is to be, like you said, receptive to that. And it's mm-hmm. going back to a hadith of the Prophet, peace be upon him, where he famously said, none of you will reach heaven because of good deeds. Mm-hmm. And his companions were like, even you? Mm-hmm. He's like, even me, without the mercy of Allah, who can yeah. be worthy of his presence? Mm-hmm. And so part of being um, a mirror of divine light is to recognize your complete, utter uh, incapability uh, mm-hmm. to do that. It's to um, accept that how could you be worthy of divine light, like to know mm-hmm. that? To, to really, that humility, make you feel that humility inside of you, that this, this grand miracle that Allah loves us to this extent without us yeah. having even done a single thing. I mean, he blew his breath inside of Adam before Adam even did a thing. That Adam, the angels bowed at Adam's feet before he did anything. Like <laughs> the notion that it's not because of us, but because of that spirit inside of us, it's not our personality or our identity. Mm-hmm. The personality, you could say personality is a bundle of your reactions to past events perpetuated through time. <laughs> and mm. that identity, it doesn't define who you are. Yeah. And if the events changed and your reactions changed, then you'd be different. So mm-hmm. you know that there's something inside of you that doesn't, Change that that spirit inside it stays the same and so the angels bowed at that mm-hmm. and so if you want to be a representative of vicegerent khalifa 
of Allah on earth, it's really acknowledging that with humility, that how could you be worthy of that? And ironically enough, it's like when you know that you're not capable, Allah comes in and through him you become capable. Mm-hmm. I say this a lot, even with this book, the different scholars and imams were like, how is this book so successful? Like, you know, we're written writing for this many years or teaching. And I'm like, you know, because I'm so incapable. You <laughs> are educated. And yeah. You have crowds and you are this big imam, this, this big mosque. Mm. I don't, I don't know anything. I had yeah. to tell Allah, I don't have anything. And I hope that you will just bring the people in my life to bridge that gap. And that's what happened. So I know like in my little life, this experience of, when you admit your lack of ability, Allah comes and like helps you if that yeah. thing is for the best of creation. Like if that's helpful in any way, it's like he bridges the gap for you. And so to know that if you want to be a reflection of Allah on earth, you need him. It, you yeah. do all the practices. You purify your heart and you give in charity and you do your mm-hmm. prayers and you're fasting and you do everything you possibly can, but you better not think that you are worthy because of your actions. You're worthy because of his mercy. Yeah, definitely. It's um, so beautifully said um, that, you know, when sometimes we have the education and we have the, you know, the qualifications and everything kind of uh, to, you know, the human standards, it's kind of like, you know, we have what it takes to do a certain thing. Um, but then we can really be stuck in our egos and the ego mind will really prevent um, that light to come through us and to create uh, divinely uh, from a place of, of, of the divine. And yeah, so that's really, really beautiful. Thank you. And um, how important is it for us to practice um, being in the state of surrender and gratitude for us to be, you know, to invite that light and to receive that guidance and to receive all the, you know, uh, um, the gifts that Allah has for us specifically. Mm. Gratitude. I love it. I feel like <sighs> gratitude is, I mean, it's, it's the one of the essences of our faith. In the mm-hmm. Quran, the, um, the shaitan, you know, the devil, he says, he says that I will come um, for your creation, for the human beings. And I'll come from every angle, you know, on the plane. In other words, from the left, from the right, from the front, mm-hmm. from the behind. I'm coming and I'm going to prove to you what. Not that they don't believe in you. That's not what he says. He doesn't say that they don't do their prayer. He doesn't say that I'm going to convince them to drink alcohol or whatever. He doesn't have that. He says, so I can prove to you they're ungrateful. Mm. of all the things that we focus on in faith that are important that our principles or obligations of course they're important how little we focus on the very singular notion that the devil comes for us is ingratitude Mm -hmm. and that the opposite they say of shukr gratitude is 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 disbelief it's not Mm. like and so that at least signals to us the, um, the celestial importance of gratitude, that it's so grand. 
And the Quran even goes forth to say that if, if you're grateful, I'll give you more. And yeah. then what happens, right, when people read that is they think, okay, so I'm grateful, then mm-hmm. Allah gives me more. Mm-hmm. So it's <laughs> this causation, which is my yeah. gratitude makes God more giving. Yeah. No, no, no. God is giving. Your gratitude allows you to receive what he gives. Mm-hmm. That distinction is so important because the human ego always wants to grab um, the reward, like to be the one who earned this reward. I earned this. I was grateful. I earned this. Yeah. In reality, when you switch to a perspective that God's the generous and your gratitude allows you to receive, you incline towards a path of humility because you realize, wow, like God's always giving to me and I'm so ungrateful that I don't receive it instead mm-hmm. of being like my gratitude made me. And so that's like when you look at the law of attraction and these things, yeah. the essence of it, Islamically, the emphasis is not on the human being, which tends to be in the new age world. Yeah. In Islam, the emphasis is on the law being the generous and the human being being the one that prevents themselves from receiving. Um, so I think in the process of being grateful, it's about, and I talk about this just like briefly in the book, but it's about really feeling grateful, like allowing it to steep into your bones. You know, some people are like, it's so hard for me to be grateful. Like my life's going really bad. I'm like, okay, why don't you put a blindfold on and walk around blind for two days mm-hmm. and tell me how much you love your eyes, right? Yeah. And there's this feeling of, we forget the blessings we have. There's yeah. a sort of a funny story in the Buddhist tradition of a monk who hurts his tooth. And I don't know, like, if you've ever had tooth pain, it's, like, pretty painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Running around, and he's like, why are you sad? This is a non-toothache moment. You should be so happy. And he's, like, holding his face. <laughs> the ocean being's like, when you get sick, suddenly you're like, yeah, yeah I it really good. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. That is very true. Um, actually, I was in India, and I got really, really sick. And at this point, I remember I was laying on my bed and I was just praying. I just had some prayers uh, playing on my phone. And then I was just praying. I was like, God, please just help me heal. And I will spend the rest of my life just um, helping people get closer to you. And I just prayed. And I was just like, it's, it's painful. You know, it's uh, when you do lose your health then you start appreciating your health. Hmm. And um, it took me a few days to get better. And I'll never forget this time, the promise that I made. And uh, yeah. (laughs) So yes, thank you so much for that explanation. And you mentioned the law of attraction. And I really want to ask you about this because a lot of people ask me about the law of attraction. How can I manifest things? And how can I um, manifest this person? And, And anything I, I want and I um, I always say to them that mm, we need to be really careful you know how, where we manifest from from a place of ego from a place of greed from a place of you know where are we really manifesting from if you really want something you can pray about it and say um, is this good for me you know because sometimes we manifest things that aren't really good for us um, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Uh, in the long run so 
I just always say that to people and I really do believe that we need to really be careful, you know, where we manifest from, from our compulsive desires or really for, you know, kind of thinking what is for my highest best. Mm. So I just wanted to know your thoughts on this. I love that. I like really um, appreciate the way that you, you know, framed it for people to consider um, Mm. why they're reaching for what they're reaching. Mm. And I think a lot of times when it comes to uh, the law of attraction, it's interesting because if you ask people why they want something, they usually say, because I need that thing to be happy or Mm. I'm missing something or I, I need that, you know, that beloved or that job or that money or that house and mm-hmm. oftentimes like I'd say 99% of the time it's something that the ego desires yeah and so if you're speaking about just living an everyday life yeah okay you know try your best and reach for it you know if a Muslim is asking me or someone on the spiritual path mm-hmm. an automatic question no matter what you seek is why do you want it why are you reaching for it because if you're reaching for it because of something that your ego wants to feel, know that it won't last anyways. Yeah. That feeling that you're seeking won't last. So if you're wanting something more long-lasting, then identify the quality you're seeking and ask Allah for that. So if you're seeking for... So here's like an example. Someone would say, I, I just want to manifest like a really good job. <clears throat> Why? I don't know, I just want to feel like I have money, I can do things. Okay, so you want freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I want freedom. Why do you want freedom? Well, I want freedom so like I don't have to depend on anyone. Oh, so you want independence. Yeah, why do you want independence? So I feel like, you know, like I'm safe. Like I don't need anyone. I can do whatever I want. Oh, so you're looking for safety. Like, I guess, yeah. It's like, okay, so you're not really reaching for a job. You're reaching for safety. Yeah. You're like, oh. And I'm like, okay, great. So, you know, Allah, you know, he's the moment. He's the protector. He's like, yeah. you know, yeah. so you can just go to the source. I mean, you could choose to go into the contingencies of existence or you could yeah. go to the source. Yeah. It's kind of like, do you want to anchor your boat on another boat or do you want to anchor your boat into the ground? Mm-hmm. The thing that's not moving with the, with the waves of life. And so, mm-hmm. guess what? If you anchor your sense for safety in a job, mm-hmm. what's going to happen when a natural disaster comes and you don't have a job? What's going to happen when Corona comes and you get fired? Your safety is based in something completely, completely dependent on another thing, which yeah. means you have no real safety because mm-hmm. the variables are infinity. Yeah. And so what you really want to do with anything around the law of attraction or these conversations is, identify the deep why and take that to God. And then if yeah. you happen to get that great job, great, but it's in yeah. your hand, not in your heart. Yeah. It doesn't define you. And that's really what the manifestation world is. God can do anything he wants for you. Even if you're the worst manifester and you're totally mm-hmm. ungrateful, he'll give you everything yeah. he wants because he decides. Mm-hmm. Right. But sometimes we feel like we understand the, code of existence we don't even understand instagram's logarithm we feel like we understand the code of existence like we can go in there and and hack the code Mm. and and get these great things and 
and you often, and you can see that, right? You can see that the majority of people who talk about the law of attraction, which I love to listen to it also. I think it's entertaining. I yeah. think it's interesting. I think it has validity in its approaches. But if you notice their manifestation and um, the uh, blessings, quote unquote, that they've received is from teaching you the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. So the things they've obtained from the law of attraction is by teaching you the law of attraction. Like mm-hmm. where did they get yeah. those things before they, you know what I mean? So it's uh-huh. like, yeah. <laughs> too, like when the person is speaking, like where did they get what they're talking about? And mm-hmm. I think that's the deep teaching with spirituality is always returning to the origin. Um, yeah. And I like to say, yeah, there's a law of attraction, but there's also the a law of attraction. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> definitely, yes, because I think everything that we, we are looking for, we seek, whether it's money, or relationships, or health, better health, or experiences, everything is actually to be happy, right? And to be happy is we're looking, we're actually seeking for our source, for, for the divine, um, this, you know, this divine experience. We're seeking God, really. Um, but it's just we're looking in the wrong places exactly. sometimes. And I think it's um, mainly because we're so attached to this world. We can see things and we can touch things. And we're so attached to experiences and looking at other people, what they have and what they experience, that gives us this desire to experience the same thing. And we think, if I just experience this, if I have this, I'll be just as happy as they are. But sometimes we don't realize what people go through and they might look really happy, but inside be really empty. So true. Love that. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So if we do find ourselves attached to people, places and things, um, you know, physical things, um, how do we actually, um, of course it's with our practices, but how do we actually um, live without attaching ourselves because we love people we love our children our parents our um, spouses we love our friends and family but how do we detach ourselves how do we love people and things and places without attaching ourselves to them Hmm. it's the million dollar billion dollar question (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think that um well what i've i've seen is that you know, they summarize the entire Quran in simplicity. Mm-hmm. If it's the most simple way of saying it, one single sentence. I've seen it to be said that it is admitting and accepting that you are a slave for a law, comma, mm-hmm. and that a law is your master. So um, it seems like, okay, cool, like we're a slave, like we have these weird conceptions of what slave means, that feels weird to us, we don't like that. But at its core, I feel like what that's saying when you say that is that you're surrendering your limitedness to dissolve into God's infinity. Mm -hmm. You're saying that I give up everything to receive you as my master. You know, like, well, how does this relate to detachment? This is significant. If you study, I don't know if you've, like, there's 12 step programs. Um, and there's a, there's a step in there and 
it says, let go and let God, right? Yeah. In that fundamental step that exists, in, whether it's alcohol anonymous or narcotics, yeah. or codependent. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the core of codependence, right, is that they take somebody else as their God. It's yeah. Essentially, it's interesting, the psych- psychology would be, it's the definition of taking an idol, Mm-hmm. Psycholo- psychological language, right? And the way to address that is to let go and let God. Meaning, you understand that that person can't bring you the things that you want to fill this quote-unquote God-shaped hole inside of you. Mm-hmm. That they can distract you from the pain. And not to say that their love isn't real, that human love isn't the most incredible feeling and human compassion mm-hmm. and that we don't need each other, we do. Yeah. If we don't have a law in our life, then we're going to try to shove everything into places it doesn't belong because we're hungry. Yeah. And when you're hungry, hey, if you're really hungry, do you care if it's a donut or a salad? No. When you're like being healthy, you're keeping management over your hunger because if you get to the point of starvation in the desert, you're not going to be like, I don't eat sugar. You're going to swallow that donut right away. And that's part of the problem is we attach to people because we're starving for something. Because if we knew that people, not relating people to donuts, but if people aren't that the nutritional value that we need is clearly coming from the law. People are the incredible cherries on top. You know, like, yeah add something to our life it helps us to see our own selves to purify ourselves to go through the dynamic of polishing the heart the spirit the ego but without god we're going to try to attach and allah's telling us he's saying you're my, you be my slave because guess what i created you the quran says god created us in the invisible beings like the jinn to worship him he created us to be slaves so if we're not a slave to him then we're a slave to something else because that's yeah. in us and it's only through slavery to Allah that we can be kings of the world. And you see yeah. that with the prophet. Yeah. He's like, I want to be a slave prophet. Mm-hmm. And that, it's such a deep teaching because when we find ourselves attached to someone, the response tends to be, why am I attached and how can I get? It should just be like, oh, let me work on my relationship with Allah and then watch the trickle down effect. And then also address the things that are coming up, mm-hmm. my wounding or my patterns or my past. But it needs to be side by side. I hate in Islamic circles sometimes when there's like a total um, putting aside of counseling, therapy, you know, psychotherapy, whatever it is, just yeah. putting it all aside when mm-hmm. in reality it can really help, but not at the expense of throwing religion to the side. It's yeah. so good when it comes together. It's like, wow. Yes. Yes, definitely. And and that's why I love it so much because first of all, it's helped me so much and I see how it helps other people. And it's just, um, it opens my heart really. And um, what you said about being a slave and, you know, living a life of service and you just kind of like, you know, God, use me, (laughs) use me. What is it that you want me to do? Um, You know, how is it that, you know, you want me to to be who is it that you want me to become and life then then just kind of flows so i really feel like you know um we are infinite beings and we come on this earth for a limited period of time and it's really to find our way back to source 
and live a life of service. Um, mm. So mm, I wanted to ask you quickly about, um, you know, life after death and what we believe in Islam about this and how do we prepare for this? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. So I feel like you know, there's this, the adage that says that, you know, you die the way you live. Mm-hmm. The life that you lead, the life that you live, the way that you operate into this world, it manifests in a great way into the next life. I like to think of it that this life is sowing season, meaning this is the, this is the season where you plant seeds in the ground. Mm-hmm. And the next life is like harvest season, you know? So you get to decide mm-hmm. on some level, what kind of life do you want to awaken to? In the next one, do you want it to be a garden filled with fruits and flowers, or do you want it to be a desolate desert? You get to decide. On Allah gives you an element of free will to decide that to make Mm -hmm. conscious choices. You know, when you get sick in India and you're confronted Mm -hmm. with this sort of existential confrontation, Mm -hmm. you say, "Okay, God." Use me, keep me, and I promise I'll plant seeds. Yeah. And, and he does. And here you are planting seeds. And when it says, you know, it's interesting because in the Quran it says that it relates doing good to like wheat and how, mm-hmm. you know, like one seed potentially can have 700 uh, of a reward, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's interesting. It does that relationship. So it's like, you can plant something here and it seems seemingly insignificant. It could be a smile to a stranger who's mm-hmm. having a really hard day. It could be that $5 sandwich to the homeless person who's ready to give up. And you yeah. might just say, okay, it's fine, no big deal. I'm not, I'm not changing the world. But maybe you live for that person. And maybe for the rest of their life, they pray for you. Yeah. You don't know. And so, can 700. And you think something insignificant ends up being so significant. Yeah. And it's always on the basis of how you did it, from where you did it. They say the come from, right? From where did it come from? And so that makes an effect on the life to come. And I like to say, like, we are in the womb of the earth. The babies mm-hmm. were, we were in the womb of our mother. And yeah. in that womb, we were like, oh, this is the only life born. Now we're in the womb of the earth. Mm-hmm. And it's the same. Mother Earth, as they say, right? It's going to yeah. give birth to us into a different reality. We, we go into the Earth and come out into a different reality. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when we approach death as an end with no continuation, we get crippled. We, we, it's hard for us to move. We get nervous. We get scared. Mm-hmm. My loved one that left, that died, am I ever going to see them? We get entangled yeah. in feelings of doubt. Quran constantly is telling us the Prophet, peace be upon him, through his hadith, is telling us that don't worry, you will be with those you love. Yeah. That the next life, although it's a life where suddenly all of reality comes to be clear for you. It's like when you're at the optometrist and they're like fixing your prescription and it's like blurry, blurry, and then it's like clicks in and wow, I can see like an HD. It's like that. It's like you were living almost like this foggy life. You weren't sure about certain things. You tried your best, but you didn't know the outcomes. And then suddenly it's like HD vision. Mm-hmm. Everything's clear. The shortcomings, the things you did, it all becomes 
clear. And that's why they call it the day of judgment, right? It's not the yeah. night of judgment. It's the day. Everything is in view. Yeah. And so that on some level is frightening because it's like, wow, I'm going to be confronted for all the things that I did. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you finally get to meet in this like incredibly indescribable way, the creator mm-hmm. of existence, oh, the directionality of, he has no direction of all, but then you were pointing your prayer mat in remembrance of him for five prayers a day times however many years. Mm-hmm. Now you're standing in this way before this presence and there's something that it makes the heart like, you know, pump fast. And so I think in the cases of you could talk about the nights in the grave and what happens and the what happens on the day of judgment and how things are in groups and how they, but does that matter as much as who you are right now? Because all of that, there's many opinions about them. Of course, there's a basis like a, like a skeleton or spine, but at the basis of all of that is knowing that even won't change it. The reality is you right now get to decide what life you get to walk into by who you are moment to moment. Is it hard for you to give up the things you love? Is it hard? The Quran says. But then it says you will never attain piety, true righteousness, until it's hard for you to give up that what donation for Ramadan. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we think, oh, oh, I must be bad and I'm going to be punished and yeah. Go straight to punishment. If you've noticed, some people do things and they go, <laughs> yeah. heart, Allah is punishing me. How do you yeah. know? How do you know it's not a blessing? The trial isn't a blessing for you. Mm-hmm. You just say, no, no, I must be punished because I said that thing to my mom and now Allah, you know, yeah. I got a car accident. He's punishing me. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Allah is doing. We yeah. only have speculations. We don't know. All we know is that he's watching us. And you could see that as being very scary. Mm-hmm. you could see that as being amazing when you're silent tears that nobody hears that nobody sees that Allah sees you mm-hmm. for that that when you're in yeah. a crowded room smiling he sees your hidden pain yeah he sees that too he's with you in those moments too and so I know it's like went all over the place but I think the conversations of what happens after life is I mm-hmm. believe more life eternal yeah. life and mm-hmm. Just one thing to add about this, just really quickly, is you know the story of Adam and mm-hmm. Eve, and they're reaching for the fruit. And why they reach is really interesting, because the shaitan says, "Hey, you know, hey, you want some of this fruit? Allah doesn't want you to have it, essentially, because then you're going to be like the angels, living eternally in worship of Him." Mm-hmm. And so Adam and Eve, we think, oh, you know, it was lust or greed or whatever but really what they got tricked with as far as the quran says is that that's the statement that tricked them mm-hmm. hey you know grab this thing you'll be able to worship god for eternity and he's like oh okay <laughs> and he eats yeah. it right and it, and that's what he was reaching for so how does allah actualize that desire he says go down get down mm-hmm. and die so that you could because without death what is eternal life nothing mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to actualize what you reached for. She wanted to worship me forever, right? Yeah. Go down, die. So you know what death is. You know what separation is. So now unity and eternal life matters to you. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. 
this podcast has been such a pleasure for me and I can sit here and talk to you all day <laughs> and it's been so amazing thank you so much for coming and um, are there any last words that you would like to say to the uh, listeners today first of all I just wanted to say I'm so grateful for having the opportunity to spend this time with you and thank you. I deeply pray for all of your listeners to find the peace that they're seeking to be reminded that Allah loves them exactly where they are and that he's with them in this moment and every moment that will come after. That yeah. the things that come are just different ways that he's speaking with them and with us, with you, with me. And to see each moment as a sacred opportunity to get to know just a little bit more about the creator. Mm-hmm. And I really, I just want to really call out and say that Times are tough these days, but there is support for you. There's support in the scene. There's definitely support in the unseen. And people that are doing this work um, of being healers, of creating space, of opening opportunity, take your chance with them. Take your chance and to see the deeper dimensions of your own being, to let go of the places that weigh you down, and to live the life that you were created to live. Like, take that chance. Like, invest in yourself in that way because it makes all the difference. My prayers are are with all of you. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm just really grateful. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the beautiful uh, prayer. And once again, thank you so much for everyone who's listening uh, and was with us until now. And just to remind you guys, The Secrets of Divine Love is on Amazon. Um, it's a bestseller on Amazon. And I'll link. Um, I'll put the link um, on the podcast so you can um, so you can get the book definitely read the book and it's just going to blow your mind and it's going to be amazing so thank you so much for being with us uh, have a beautiful day bye bye <laughs>